1: we beg pardon top five just around the pine Now we starting we going to the garden and i've been a marksman took me forever but i
0: finally hit the target we going to the garden slick type jargon better cut the check just to get into the bargain we going to the garden plans uncharted no more stalling Trying to get started now we going to the garden if you would have
1: told me this a year ago i would have said it <laughs>
0: Sunday, April 7th, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at the gorillaposition.com. <laughs> Presented and simulcast on Hami Media. To the And, of course, in association with Last Word on Pro Wrestling.com. On today's show, it's all about jumping the rail and making a statement, as well as the Hall of Fame and the G1 Supercard. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you, this is a podcast by the fans, for the fans bring you all the news. that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find us at hittingthemarks.com and Hameen Media at hackerhameen.podbean.com. But give it up for my tag team partner, the big cast to my real one, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show
1: it's me it's me it's that order the beat of the v rick Vickery here happy wrestlemania sunday looking forward to uh, to see what the big boys the big stage can bring but man the fireworks that we saw last night
0: man it has been a crazy few days and you Even as I was watching G1 Supercard last night, because I think there was about three matches that you could really consider to be four-star matches, and then this morning I was doing my Pick'em Challenge, and I'm looking at it and going, there's not going to be one four-star match on this goddamn show. Not one. I have a feeling people are going to be so sad at the end of the day that WrestleMania weekend is over and that's how we ended it. Could we just, like, cancel WrestleMania and end with the G1 Supercard and the way they went off the air last night? Because all has been set right in the freaking world as Kazuchika Okada is once again the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion.
1: Well, I've got, I'm going to see. I'm going to up one-up you there, Jargo. Uh, I'm more looking forward from this WrestleMania, the uh, the post-main event. In the wee hours of Monday morning, when we get that four- or five-star throwdown between the WWE defenders and, and those that are just calling it as they see it, I have a feeling. I, I'm not as down on this thing as you are. I think we're going to have some great moments. I think a few matches will surprise us. But for them to get anywhere in the ballpark of... The professional wrestling we have seen over the last three days i mean they are absolutely going to have to bring something that we have not seen from the red and blue in some years uh maybe even close to a decade
0: we also saw some shoot fights last night and i guess uh the, the place to start is with the hall of fame and uh the shoot fight that was um rick i i I don't even feel bad saying this. I think this is pretty general knowledge. I did not watch the Hall of Fame. I have absolutely no taste for it, especially when G1 Supercard was going on. But I did see this uh, Bret Hart story of this douchebag fan jumping into the ring to attack brett the hitman Hart and the chaos that ensued and the beat down and that ensued from about 15 guys onto this one douchebag turns out he's from nebraska big freaking surprise uh huckleberry where do you want to begin with the hall of fame because i know you were glued to this thing on multiple screens
1: yeah i say you know I, I was kind of uh i was Chailing my inner Jargo from, you know, you at work. I had like seven screens going on in front of me last night. That was everywhere from, you know, from the NCAA to the Hall of Fame to the G1. All points in between. Really, you know, all around uh, a great night of entertainment, especially on the wrestling side. But today, just real quick, you know, a little plug for hashtag HTM Sports as we're going to be wrapping up uh, the college basketball season this week. Some great finishes in the in the final four last night, and we're going to see how that translates over to the finals coming up, and if they can hold on in the ratings.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling this is going to be the worst rated final four in history.
1: Uh, I, I wouldn't say history, but we're probably looking within you know within a modern era. We'll call it here. But anyway, to the final or not to the final four, to the Hall of Fame. You know, all around. Like I said, you know, I was jumping around. I really, you know, I didn't get to sit down and concentrate on every speech. Uh, but especially, you know, when, when Brett Hitman Heart is someone, uh, you know, that's talking, you, you kind of tend to pay attention. So I was actually sitting there in the real time, you know, taking in what Brett's giving, giving us. And you can see the, you know, the real emotion on Natalia's face Is You know, they're, they're both kind of it was more about honoring her father and telling some good stories about the heart foundation and how they came together and that. Now, my, oh, then, wait, be,
0: be, before you get too far here, there was no inductor. It was just Brett and Natty, correct? Nobody actually inducted the Hart Foundation. It was Brett and Natty inducting the Hart Foundation? At, at that
1: point, uh, I, I believe so. I didn't notice anybody. I didn't even think about it. It was one of those things where, you know, I had been looking over, oh, here comes Brett. And, and he was talking. And, and it was timing up uh, with something pretty interesting at, at the G1. I think it was when they were starting a street fight. So, you know, that had my attention. Uh, unfortunately, we'll get to that here in a little while. But, uh, yeah, he's going on. And then, yeah, just uh, a complete J.O. comes out of nowhere, uh, tackles him. They immediately cut the black, fade out the screen and all that uh, dead silence. And you could tell something was up and it was for it took quite a while for them to return to the air. Uh, of course, we've seen the footage now surfacing from all the individuals that were in attendance. And pretty much uh, said this Jo got what he had coming to him. Yep, uh, it looked like the first individual to get get their hands on him. Uh, and I don't know, this might have been worst case scenario was Ronda Rousey's husband, and it looked like he got in a, a good half dozen clean shots before everyone else started getting their shots in.
0: Uh, it looked as though Dash Wilder got him some too. So uh, props uh, to Dash. the
1: revival. It was pretty it was kind of nice. Dash got like that, that one good shot and kind of just no-sold it and kept on his way, let everyone else kind of do theirs. I think probably in that entire situation, if that individual had realized what was going on and where I really would have regretted my decision, been terrified for my life, is when Teddy Hart was getting a couple shots in and Davy Boy Jr. was there, and it looked like they had just come from a show. It looked like they were still in their ring gear.
0: Well, I mean, we, we talked about Davy Boy versus Killer Cross yesterday when we were talking about Takeover New York. If you haven't heard that review, it's available both at HittingTheMarks.com and com. Davy Boy ain't nothing to mess with, and Teddy Hart's just playing freaking crazy. Well, and you know,
1: this situation, this is a complete joke, and we, and we don't even want to call this individual a fan. No, is anyone that would go not. to something like this. This is an attention-seeker piece of shit. Jack off, and that's exactly what he is. Uh, I I don't even want to classify him as a mark tart because he doesn't even deserve a distinction like that. He's just a total piece of shit. Anyone that's going to do this on you know, on any level, you know, get out of here with that. Looking for your your couple seconds of fame there. He got exactly what he deserved, and I hope uh, that they are going to prosecute to the fullest. Uh, and I hope this guy had a wonderful evening spending uh, spending the night with a couple cellies in an NYC uh, correctional facility.
0: I think uh, GCW should jump all over this, and I want to see a very special edition of GCW Bloodsport. Evidently, this guy is an amateur MMA fighter. Your penance is you have to do five minutes in a no ropes ring with Davy Boy Smith Jr. Good luck to you.
1: This okay? So this guy actually has. I mean, what kind of even more respect? I mean, would he pull this stuff at you know at a UFC event at a Bellator? I just I, again, hey, you know what? Maybe maybe he's not very good at it, and he didn't know what he was doing because he's just been punched in the head so many times. Hey, but there there was one other thing I wanted to address here. I cannot believe the the individuals that were so quick to. Well, I guess we got to do away with that set <laughs> because you know I, you obviously you've seen it. They had like the ring there that yeah. was the, the makeshift stage, and you came down the entrance. I guess they got to do away with that. Why? I don't under, I don't understand. Because lot one
0: freaking moron just get better goddamn security.
1: Yeah, I mean heads should roll in security. In any case, I mean this fan had to make a run. Not even this fan. This Jo had to make a run through an entire audience of superstars and their guests. It wasn't like the fans were right on top of this thing like they are at a Monday Night Raw or a Tuesday Night SmackDown. This guy had to make a quite of a haul to get there. A big letdown security but to sit there and suggest you know the two things i've heard is you got to get rid of that set and, and close it off close it off to the fans this should be a private ceremony
0: it should be a private ceremony nobody should ever have to see it ever ever again this is <laughs> well, awful
1: at, at this point i mean that's the same argument it, that is a a leftist snowflake argument
0: yeah very much so
1: you know one one incident happened so take it away from everyone yeah they're a police state homie well and you know not to you know to Throw his, you know, his name directly out there, but everyone knows that Money and I go round and round on some things like that. And you know, and he was one of those people. Well, they, sh- they should scale it back. Those people don't need to be there. It's part of the fan experience. It's part of the revenue package for WWE. Well, and, and you know, in his argument, there's and I, I've met him halfway. If, you know, if he wants to go like a little upscale and charge more, you know, where you are getting a, a higher clientele in there and maybe include a dinner, I could see something like that. Uh, But still, you better make sure your financials are in order. And it's just not the financials that are included in the Hall of Fame. You're looking at how it could affect travel into the host city, how it could affect, you know, room rates, things like that. There's a huge trickle down effect when you're looking at this. Uh, But I still I firmly do believe that they should have some sort of dress code. Uh, And I'd most certainly start with no reggae hats and and wigs. Uh, anything that you're covering yourself up with your face you know get, i know they love selling the masks for merchandise and all that but you know what don't allow it especially on adult you don't you don't need to be covered up you can put in some kind of dress code i mean just looking at these slops i mean this is a supposed to be a prestigious ceremony within professional wrestling and and they're all wearing their jorts and their you know their their throwback bwo t-shirts you know and, and i'm talking yeah, i'm not tagging anybody here cuz stevie can pull it off but the rest of you guys with the cutoffs I mean, you guys are making Meanie look like uh, a thousand (laughs) bucks.
0: I I have a better solution. Um, I think we should just do away with this entire farce that is the WWE Hall of Fame that exists only in Vince McMahon's mind. We're going to have Friday Smackdown. We're going to have Saturday TakeOver. We're going to have Sunday WrestleMania. We're going to have Monday Night Raw. There's no room for the Hall of Fame anyway. And it doesn't fucking exist a fucking joke let's talk about uh,
1: revenue man still losing that revenue but when you do when you do bring in smackdown on friday as long as it's meaningful like an actual go home i could see where you might be able to make up some of that financial because it doesn't seem like a lot of people are sticking around on tuesday for smackdown the way it is
0: no because they got to go back to work for God's sake, let's talk about the rest of these inductees and then we'll talk about the farce that is the Hall of Fame some more. Stacy Keebler comes out and inducts Tori Wilson. Uh, did you get to hear any of the speeches or were you kind of yeah. watching it on mute?
1: Uh, I, I did. Um, there was a couple I, I jumped in on or, you know, just hit kind of pieces here and there. I was fine with Tori Wilson getting her moment. Yeah, I'm fine
0: with it. I, I thought her really speech care.
1: was fine. It was about, you know, going out there, you know, make sure, you know, you can be what you want. It was just a general, be what you want to be. You don't have to be defined by what anyone, you know, sets limitations on you. Go ahead and do it. Uh, it worked. And my biggest thing with her that i seen is, you know, in comparison when Luna went into the legacy thing, which I completely disagree with as well. You know, we're talking about. Oh, we'll talk know, about had, the legacy here. Well, like, okay, right we'll hold minute. off on that. But, you know, but to say that some people should go in before others to me is complete BS. And I'm sorry, you know, I I think that Luna, yes, deserves her own spot in the Hall of Fame. Uh, But I could just as easily make an argument that Tori meant more to WWE at that time than Luna ever had. I mean, she was bringing more eyes on the product, which means more financials. She was a crossover star and knows rights. She, she earned her spot there, and that's how they put it over. It's her going in.
0: That's right. She earned her spot in Vince McMahon's mind for the rest of eternity. No,
1: she earned that spot by bringing I'm General The saying the, the Hall Auditor. of
0: Fame exists only in Vince McMahon's mind. Calm down, Huckleberry. Calm down. Jimmy Hart and ducks the 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 Honky Talk man. I'm not even going to refer to him as the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time because it's a freaking it's a rib. It's a rib. It's it's not real. It's a rib. Quit calling the honky-tonk man the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. It's a rib. Uh, Jimmy Hart inducts the honky-tonk man. Did we at least get the pink Cadillac? Uh,
1: no. Actually, I missed that one.
0: Oh, okay. Well, there's nothing to talk about there then. Um, Harlem Heat uh, evidently inducted themselves, which I think is rather fitting. I don't, I, I don't know. Who would you have had induct Harlem Heat? If there was going to be anybody, maybe New Day.
1: Uh, I, to me, see, that's a little cliche too. Just running the black guys out there for the black guys.
0: Well, I, I'm just trying to think of uh, you know, somebody you know that would I, be a great influence on young African American wrestlers like Xavier Woods. I'm sure Xavier Woods, who is a very well spoken, you know what? Yeah, I mean, why do we influence in by Harlem Heat?
1: In those boundaries, you know, on the red carpet show. You know, the Usos put over Harlem Heat as, you know, the main they're, the main reason they got into this thing, you know, outside of their family. I, don't I would know, have been fine know, the with Usos.
0: the Usos inducting Harlem and, and Heat. You kind of, you could have had then, you know, because
1: Harlem Heat for a long time was a little bit, you know, they were overlooked despite their greatness, you know, when we were sitting there listing some of the great tag teams. And, and the Usos fall under that same umbrella. I think that would have been a great connection.
0: Well, I think part of it goes to, especially with the Usos, you're only as good as your competition. And we've talked about the SmackDown Live tag team division. Um, Hulk Hogan inducts Brutus the fucking barber beefcake into Vince McMahon's mind for the rest of eternity. Um, Huckleberry, I'm sure that you caught this speech. How high was Brutus beefcake? Hey, man.
1: He, look, he was great. He was good on his best behavior. Very articulate, put his stuff together. Uh, very different than the Brutus the Barber we saw at the roast of a
0: uh, a Pritchard. Interesting. How was Hogan? How was the reception for Hogan? More importantly, I didn't, I didn't see that part. Oh, okay. I, I, I,
1: I saw I saw him coming out, and again, it was one of those things where I, I mean, you're you're balancing this thing. You're juggling between the Hall of Fame, you know, and the Final Four, and especially the G One. And this is and. Be, I came out a little late, so this is when the G1 was starting to pick back
0: up. DX also goes into the Hall of Fame. While I have not seen it, I have read Hunter's comments. Hunter taking a few shots at AEW and Billy Gunn over the course of his speech. Um, HBK making a joke about him being cross-eyed, which was kind of weird. It, it seemed like they were up to old-school DX hijinks. Which I'm not sure that that's the presentation that you want for the Hall of Fame either, although it reads as though Sean Waltman actually took this seriously unlike the rest of the group
1: well I mean if you look at this thing for Sean this is probably his his not you know for Waltman this is his not hBK has got his Triple H will have his he might hBK I mean Triple H might have a few of them. By the time this thing's all said and done. Uh, at some point when they're looking to fill that, you know, that that slotted in tag team role, the new age outlaws will probably get a call for Sean Waltman. This was probably it. And out of those, you know, he was probably the closest to China as well, realizing this is their this is their opportunity. So he probably went at it a little bit different. And, and you kind of get it, you know, the the professionalism and in maturity. Since leaving the business from Waltman, you know, through his podcast. But they, this whole thing, they pretty much lost me from the get-go going back to their just, you know, just the slapdick shtick.
0: Let's talk about the real list. The list that we should have been talking about for weeks, which is the the individuals that went into the Legacy Hall of Fame. Bruzy Brody, Wahoo McDaniel, Luna Vashon, SD Jones, Toru Tanaka, every one of these guys deserved to be inducted the right way not on a goddamn legacy fucking list and the one that really pisses me off is Brody man that one really freaking irritates me I understand it with McDaniel and Vashon and Special Delivery Jones Toru Tanaka they all deserved it but the fact that this is the legacy list is just fucking outrageous
1: well you know immediately when I saw this I'm with you Uh, And not just not to just single one out this entire list. It is completely absurd that they could not find a moment. You know, it doesn't all have to be this year, but over the course of the years to find moments to individually recognize them and and not under some, you know, legacy label. You know, and then I went and actually looked at who else is in, you know, who has been kind of tagged with this legacy label. Uh, Top to bottom, it's just not this year. This thing. Celebrity wing or what's going on with the warrior wing. No, I can I can actually justify those because of what they bring to you know to the Hall of Fame or WWE. Those are justifiable in certain cases. The biggest farce, the biggest joke about this whole thing is this legacy, this legacy label. This is complete BS. All of these individuals deserve their own recognition, deserve a spot. I, I come on. It's not like you know, you have to run them out there. You know, with these grand speeches and find, you know, their their kids and their grandkids or something like that. But give us something where they are recognized individually, you know, with with their own fictional shrine, if you will.
0: Special Delivery Jones was an African American babyface in Memphis in the seventies. I mean, just imagine what that man went through. Boy, you know, that's another thing here too. You know, it, it, what he brought to even just.
1: It, it, we always talk about. I, I know he was mainly, you know, enhancement there for for WWE. But this is that's part of the show. If it's not for individuals like him, if it's not for individuals that have gone in on, like a Coco Beware or, or a Godfather, or you know, any of those those types, you don't have the rest of the show. I mean, this takes everybody working together, the bits and pieces. And as long as he lasted there, you know, it's the contributions that he would make backstage. And you're right, Jargo. And, and now that they have consumed all these other uh, you know the products that they own the properties to; those are those are accounted in. You have to look at what they were able to do running through the territories, what they meant to each area, and what, and what they meant to the business as a whole.
0: Especially when you're going back as far as guys like Brody and Wahoo, SD Jones. I mean Luna and what she did in the NWA and whatnot before she ever came to the WWF.
1: Well, I, I, and believe me, when I'm making a comparison with her and Tori Wilson's, I'm not trying to slight Luna in the least. She did. She done some amazing things. But she carried Sable. She made Sable inside Absolutely. of that. And, and I'm not trying to knock their contributions. I'm just saying on the flip side of that, don't tell me. That someone should go over someone else when we're kind of comparing, you know, oranges and apples to their contributions to the WWE, you know, behind the scenes and, you know, outside as a crossover or something like that. We got to look across all the borders when we're considering something here. Yeah, to me, you know, celebrity wing, warrior whatever award, the regular, the only farce here to, to me is this legacy. And I, I, I'm a good shoe on this, you know, you want to just. Scrap the whole thing because you think it's just in, in Vincent's mind. In Vincent's mind, it's only there for the financials. And that's the reason that you're not going to see a whole lot of change here. But to step outside of that, yes, it does mean something to the fans. It does mean something to be able to go there and recognize people that they, you know, that that, that they loved or they found inspiration in while growing up or even, you know, through life today. They take me back and remember things and struggles that they dealt with and. That's the beautiful thing about professional wrestling. So I don't want to see this thing go away because more than honoring the contributions of individuals within the business, you know, it, it allows those who are along for the ride that that love those talents, you know, an opportunity to show, you know, a, another form of appreciation for that.
0: Well, let's go ahead. We're going to talk about some more legends as this show on uh, continues. So let's go ahead and throw things over to the legendary Madison square garden sold out ROH New Japan G1 Supercard Rick before we talk about the show let's talk about the garden um how cool was it to see a fucking show from Madison Square Garden presented on this stage this level with matches of this importance it, it, it was a such a great throwback to when the garden was relevant inside of the world of professional wrestling and not just house shows for the WWE
1: well, I'm going to tell you, when you, when you talk about lower professional wrestling and those hollowed grounds, I think this was a solid reminder that, that there is the Garden and everything else, even the Dome, is a distant second. Yeah. As impressive as I'm sure it is, you know, for individuals, you know, especially, you know, outsiders to step inside to have that moment, I don't know if there's anything comparable to, you know, to something of this magnitude on this level to originate from Madison Square Garden. I know our boys, you know, over in the Hustle, They were absolutely loving it, you know, the footage that they were sharing. I mean, they look like kids in a candy store there.
0: Um, One of the moments that I'm going to remember, I hope forever, until at least I lose my mind completely, um, is going to be Flip Gordon's entrance last night. Because there's a moment, as you're watching it, where Flip comes out and he's standing on that stage and he just stops for a second and he looks down at his arm and then he looks back up and it's like, yes, yes. Those are goosebumps flip. That's 20,000 people in Madison Square Garden chanting your name. Enjoy that moment. Just little things like that were so freaking great about this show.
1: Well, and I think, you know, let's, and we were talking about, you know, our boys in the hustle were there. Uh, they were going crazy. That entire audience, you could tell they appreciated the moment. They understood the magnitude of what was happening and to be a part of that, uh, breathtaking, you know? I don't know if I can describe it any more than that. There, uh, and also, you know, hats off to Ring of Honor, New Japan. It looked phenomenal.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. It,
1: it didn't. It didn't have that overproduced feel to me. It felt rugged. It felt like. It felt like I remember the Garden, you know, that kind of feeling. Like you almost sitting at home watching it, you, you can feel like the smoke and you could the smells. That really spoke through the screen, and that's one of the magical things. You know, with any event there, especially professional wrestling, you got to be able to, even when you're watching at home, you got to be able to put yourself in the moment. And they gave us that opportunity. Stage Y, absolutely loved it. Uh, Even down to the finer details, I loved the way they shot the thing.
0: The lighting was awesome.
1: Loved the lighting. Loved the way they shot it. Uh, Felt very intimate. You know, you felt like you were right there. You never felt where it was, you know, it, it, it was crisp, but like I said, not overproduced. It had that raw feeling where it didn't feel like a Monday Night Raw or a WWE production. It, it took you back to something else. And I absolutely love, I know we were talking about this over uh, in a couple of the live chats we were involved with. Love, love the little subtle touch with the ring. The two with the turnbuckles and the two with the pads.
0: Yeah, the red and the blue. You betcha good stuff. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the pre-show, uh, the, the most ridiculous pre-show that you are ever going to see in your life, because I'm talking about the honor rumble. And this is not something that I was in any way, shape or form excited for. I I knew Kenny King was going to be number one. I had this feeling Kenny King was going to win the damn thing. And yet I completely forgot that Kenny King was even involved in this match by the time the spot at the end happened. Um, There is a moment here that people need to go back and they need to watch and they need to recognize just what in the hell they actually saw last night. Jushin Thunder Liger, King Haku, Minoru Suzuki, and the great fucking Muda in a ring together in 2019 in Madison Square Garden. When Muda came out, dude, I lost my mind. I marked the fuck out for the great Muda.
1: You, you know me. I, I am a I am a sucker for battle royal style gimmick matches, and especially when they're gauntlet style like this. I was I was looking forward to this. Absolutely was fired up for this thing. I, I I've seen the ones at Wrestle Kingdom. You know they're they're usually.
0: Okay. I'm yeah, getting ready right. for the show. It's a pre show right. rumble. Okay. Right. okay. And that's now, what I expected. One. I didn't expect this. Now, this one, you know, you know,
1: with the legendary names, I was expecting them to maybe run out some Western names. You know, maybe we'd get a couple AEW guys in there or something, you know, just something like that. I mean, it, every couple entrance, I mean, it was pop after pop, closer to the edge of your seat until Muda and you fall out of your chair because you're so excited. What really stood out to me, you put over the moment, how incredible it was to see such talents in the ring together inside Madison Square Garden. What really stood out to me is, one, this was an exciting, I mean, we're going to get two battle roles at WrestleMania, and they're not going to do anything as close to this. You know, where they've centered it around Saturday night, Saturday night, live stars. Sorry about that. Some SNL stars. This was actual stars. This had star power. You, you were sitting there as soon as you saw Suzuki at two, you started thinking, Okay, what else did I have in store? This is what we're this is our first big pop here. What else have we got going on? And then, time after time, w- when you build stars in a match like this, it's going to have a, a sense of importance. And then you have those magical moments in there. And hell, by the time we got down to it, when Kenny King came back in, I'm with you. That's the first thing I thought. Like, I completely forgot he was in this set,
0: and I knew he was going to win it. Because the, the, the winner got surprise. a title shot. I mean, I, yes. when, at the end of the day, the winner gets a title shot out of this thing. And it comes down to, at least by appearance, it comes down to Jushin Thunder Liger and the Great Muda. Neither one of which are going to be getting a shot at the New Japan IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, which is how this rumble was built. Kenny King is going to get a shot at the Ring of Honor Championship. And and, and it felt like the way that the creative had been set up for this thing two weeks ago, I felt like I knew Kenny King was going to win this thing as soon as he declared that I'm going to be number one, even though I thought he was going to shit himself when Minoru Suzuki's music hit.
1: You know what, and that also plays into. Remember going back a couple of weeks where we questioned why didn't they make Marty and King a number one contenders match? Yep. Maybe that's why it plays in now. I, not to rehash all that, but that makes me rethink that booking there a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so now we have Kenny King as the number one contender. So obviously, we'll come back to that when we talk about the ROH Championship because we have a very, very odd dynamic now. At the the top of the card inside of Ring of Honor. Uh, The actual main card kicks off. Never open weight champion Will Ospreay taking on the ROH TV champion Jeff Cobb winner takes all, which seems to be the hashtag for the weekend. This match goes 16 minutes. I've got it at three and a half face laps. Jeff Cobb capturing the never open weight championship from Will Ospreay as well as the ROH TV championship. This match was a hell of a way to start off the main card. And my immediate thought was, oh my God, if this this is how we're starting the show. You better buckle in because this thing's going to get crazy.
1: Yeah, you know I like this thing. Let me ask you before we really jump into these things, without giving away too much of your overall take on this. Uh, you said something very interesting when we were doing the takeover review, and that was the show went to the next level because of how invested we were in the storylines. And in comparison, you looked at the other shows. As entertaining as they were, they weren't at that level because they were more of novelty. And let's just get together, quote unquote, dream matches or superstar matches, if if you will, where they didn't have the fans as invested as takeover. This show, it, it seemed to offer both of that, both of those. They had the novelty star versus star, and then there were a handful of matches that. Yes, you're 100% invested in because there's huge stories and major implications for each promotion going forward. This match itself, to me, you start off as, yes, you got a champion versus champion, great novelty. They have a little bit of a story there with, you know.
0: The story is, in a tag match over in Japan... Will Ospreay pinned Jeff Cobb. That's the only loss that Jeff Cobb has had since he signed with Ring of Honor. He is unbeaten right. still in singles competition. Jeff Cobb wanted to avenge that loss. So That's so really this, been the story. Right. Now, so this, this
1: one comes off as a little more of a novelty, but overall I wanted to get your in. I thought it was a great opener. I thought this was a novelty match that works,
0: well, especially but, with the titles. But here's the other thing. There's another story on the horizon as well, as there is history with Jeff Cobb and Hiroki Godo. Trying to for Jeff Cobb trying to capture that never open weight championship. So what I'm absolutely expecting now is Goto is going to recapture that championship from Jeff Cobb, and I mean this very well could be a Wrestle Kingdom match where we see Jeff Cobb and Hiroki Goto, and this is the beginning of the feud. So I, I I guess I look at it a little bit differently.
1: Well, I, no, that's why I wanted to start this off and ask you about that because I, I knew I didn't know the full extent of the background or how far this thing can stretch out but so in in this moment here tremendous match by the way between these two was, i mean set they set the bar so high for the energy there in the garden with all i mean
0: they have great chemistry for such a different clashing style
1: it almost seems you know it's you, you think they're so different but they're similar but they're so similar yeah it's well. ju- the, it, the,
0: it's just if you were making creator wrestlers all right, on WWE 2K19, and you have one creator wrestler but you that you have his speed and agility at 10, and the other guy is at about a 7, and then you have another guy that you put the, all of his power up to 10, and you have the speed and stuff at about 7, and then you put them against each other. Like, they're both very athletic, they're both very, very strong guys, but they both have their advantages over the other one.
1: Yeah, well, and that's... It, it, that's one of the things I want to say as we do this review to maybe if you see stories, especially on the, the New Japan side going forward, maybe can help people out that maybe didn't understand certain things here.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I think there's creative for every one of these matches. Um, fantastic match. Congratulations to Jeff Cobb, now a double champion. Dalton Castle versus Roosh. This might be my favorite match of the year. Definitely not the best match of the year, but this might end up being my favorite match of the year at the end of 2019. Roosh destroys Dalton Castle in the Garden. The match goes all of about 30 seconds. And Roosh over Strong. I loved everything about this. And then Dalton Castle snaps on the boys. It's been a very, very long winding road for Dalton Castle. But the time has finally come. He's had it with this bullshit, and he has to do something completely different in order to get back into the winner's circle. And it started off with the annihilation of his boys. Rick, I love everything about this.
1: I love it. You know, the little, the, the Bella feather distraction. Roosh just, Roosh just pounces. He sees the opportunity. It just brutalizes the former Ring of Honor world champion. Absolutely, Roosh looks amazing here, and we get the story that everyone was waiting for. We get the big moment in the big arena, the big marquee event. Now, my question to you, sir, is what kind of evolution, if you will, do we get from Dalton
0: Castle? That's going to be the interesting part of this entire thing, because I don't know where he goes, because even after he beat the boys, as he was walking out, he looked very, very regretful that he had done that. I'm. This needs to be the turn. I almost wish that this was more violent, that Dalton Castle would have beat the boys even more. Even if, as he was walking out, if he would have turned around and went back in and gave them each another bangerang and then made his exit with a more determined look on his face. Not regretful Dalton Castle. I don't want to drag this out any longer. It's been going on long enough. It's shit or get off the pot time for Dalton Castle.
1: Yeah, the lingering has lasted enough. I mean, it needed a moment to get to this moment, this time in the story, to just have that full turn. I'm almost hoping that when next time we do see him with the tapings, next time he hits television, he does come out with that, maybe that regretful look, and immediately goes into, nah, that ain't the case. And, and then we start
0: to really see,
1: and I, I, that's what I'm interested in. What direction, what, co- what kind of persona now are we going to get from Dalton Castle?
0: Maybe suit and tie Dalton Castle. It's all about business now. Refocused. I could see that. I I
1: could see that angle, or I could just see him even taking the character now uh, and not just reverting back to its heel days, but just going to a very, very dark place with it.
0: It's going to be interesting to watch that story unfold and it's going to be interesting to see what we do with Roosh now because it feels like a matter of time. You can only like this is one of those Jeff Cobb kind of things, right? You can only justify keeping Roosh out of the main event. For so long, because you know this Jay Lethal, Matt Taven, Marty Skrull thing—that's all fine and dandy. But I see it, and you see it, and everybody else who's ever seen Roosh wrestle sees it. This guy is freaking money.
1: Well, isn't? What's his? Is he only on a one-year deal it's as well? Only a one-year deal. Okay, so we we've got a limited time here to really maximize, you know, the abilities of you know the financials, if you will, the profitability of Roosh.
0: Yeah, and make money now. Let's talk about the Women of Honor Championship. Um, At this point, I kind of felt I was very disappointed in the Madison Square Garden crowd for how kind of flat this match felt to me. The Women of Honor Championship, Kelly Klein recaptures the title from Mayu Iwatani in about 11 minutes, and then we get the big angle at the end. I thought this was a pretty damn good Women of Honor match. There, it had its issues, but...
1: Not, I don't want to get so much on the, the audience here,
0: because I think this is
1: just a side effect of how the Women of Honor Division has
0: been presented. And that has been the issue, and we have talked about the depth of the Women of Honor Division almost to death at this point, especially with Miss Neal Dashwood leaving the company. Now... We were like, we got to get something. We got to get some kind of infusion of talent here. It, 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 and even we, we beyond Dashwood, it. even beyond
1: Dashwood, I mean, look at some of the names that have exited. You know, when you thought, man, they got something to put together here. And then somebody comes in and, and cherry picks them. And, and, we're, and we're again left with the fair basics.
0: But we had to get an influx of talent. And I didn't know where in the world that influx of talent was going to come from. And it was right in front of our faces. How we didn't see this one coming is just beyond me. But now we have the allure. The beautiful people have become the allure with Angelina Love and Velvet Sky making their grand appearance now alongside Mandy Leone, who I think is a perfect fit. For this faction inside of the women of honor this adds depth this adds star power this elevates mandy leone this is everything that women of honor needed very very badly
1: and i, I especially like the timing here because i saw so many people oh man madison just left i think this is so much better we, oh, we yeah, didn't need a. Agree. we didn't we did not need a rehash of what we saw you know, from impact wrestling. And I think, you know, really when you look at the dynamic of what's needed in this group, that Mandy Leone adds so much more than, than what Madison Rain was going to do. Because Madison was just, I mean, yeah, obviously she could go inside the ring. That's, that's great and all. Uh, but when it comes to kind of that, you know, that conniving character that's going to, you know, become that mouthpiece for you, that seductress, you know, just add to that seductress attitude of, you know, what we've known from Sky and Love, I think Leon takes that to the next level here.
0: Yep. Absolutely. I love everything
1: about and, it. And it gives it a it puts a fresh twist on it as well. So it doesn't like completely seem like a rehash.
0: And as far as the match itself goes, I thought it was fine. It does business. Kelly recaptures the title, which makes all the sense in the world. And now we've got business going forward. Women of Honor is more interesting today than it was yesterday. So good on ROH. As down as people want to be about this entire division right now, this was a great step for Women of Honor.
1: Well, and ultimately, you know, we've talked about this, how they were showing signs of giving us the real Kelly Klein, which you can find her across all social media at the real Kelly Klein. We talked about, you know, them showing signs of the personality that we've got to see, you know, through the interviews and, you know, just anyone following her on social media.
0: And we even saw it during the code of honor last night. Like that was the full fledged baby face turn to me.
1: Well, you know, and then dismissing uh, the camp and all that. Yep. But beyond that, I mean, because you have to look at marketability and, you know, we, we talk outside of what we just see in the ring. We're not the experts there. We, we put together from, you know, what we know from presentation of entertainment and storytelling, things like that. But uh, we always talk marketing. This is a marketing goldmine for the women of honor and ring of honor. Putting positioning Kelly as your baby, especially at a time where there is such emphasis on the importance of women in professional wrestling and then projecting a positive spotlight. You talk about this all the time. You want individuals, you don't want the Priscilla Kelly's and those likes, you know, to, for you to sit down with your girls of all ages from four years old to, you know, getting ready for college. You want someone that's a positive there. When you look at the real Kelly Klein, she embodies all of that where she's come, where she has come through, her rise in professional wrestling, how she has reinvented herself, how she's buckled down, focused, you know, where her principles, her goals are at, you, could tra- you translate that to the audience, you have a true role model. And that is some, and right there is a tremendous rebuilding block for women of honor. It, it, it If that's your face, the gatekeeper now going forward truly represents women of honor. And they need to, you know, they need to parlay that.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, And then we move on to Bully Ray versus Flip Gordon. That's what I'm saying. This whole Velvet Sky and Angelina Love thing, it was right in front of our face. How did we not call this? My God, it's literally been right in front of our face. Well, my, my only thing is, well, and
1: then also we had Velvet Sky right there in front of our face. And then last week in a private conversation, remember when I went off on you because love had to cancel out on a battle on the border show?
0: Yeah, like how did we not see this coming? <laughs> There's like giant arrows pointing at the beautiful people and. Right over our freaking heads. Absolutely ridiculous. Bully Ray ends up taking on Flip Gordon because Juice Robinson was laid out backstage. Uh, I got this thing at two and a half face slaps. The action was a lot of fun, but to, to get to the match that we ended up having between Bully Ray, Shane Taylor, Silas Young versus Flip Gordon, Mark Haskins, and Juice Robinson representing Lifeblood. We, we, we had to do a whole angle and like, guys, I'm telling you right now, all right? If Shane Taylor, Silas Young, and Bully Ray are all whipping my ass and you want to come out to save me, make sure that you stop on the ramp, pose for a little while, cut a promo. I mean, like... Dear God, they could have decapitated Flip Gordon in the amount of time Juice Robinson's up there talking. Where's the sense of urgency? It just—it it took way too long to get to the match that we ended up having for me.
1: See, this whole thing—not that I disliked it. This is where the show kind of took a turn and really slowed slowed down for me. Uh, and as you said, this was—it just seemed really confused. I mean, at this point, I, I at first, you know, first time I saw this, I even questioned, like, why did we even go with the Juice Robinson gimmick here? Right. But then it made, then it made sense because you're thinking if they just were going to have an open challenge, immediately everyone's thinking it's flip.
0: Okay, but but so at least they
1: so at least they gave you a little surprise. Like it was a little hesitation. Maybe they are going to go forward with with Juice here, and that was that report that Flip was injured. So I'll forgive that one. But then I'm with you. I mean, to confuse this thing with even, you know, coming out, cutting the promo and then asking for it to be a six man. We don't even need that. There was was no, you guys could have got involved anyway, as long as Flip got the pin on fully, which is what everybody wanted to see anyway.
0: All we really had to do, right, was you could have done basically the same thing, but you could have just went with juice. So Juice goes out because the advertised match is Bully Ray versus Juice Robinson. Juice goes out. The match happens for, you know, three, four minutes. Shane and Silas interfere. Out comes Haskins. He gets a little bit of a beat down, too. And then Flip comes out and makes the save. Like, you still could have got the Flip surprise moment. You could have, like, the whole thing. And it wouldn't have been nearly as confusing and convoluted.
1: I'm with you as well. You know, we could have had – and you could have even gone just as, you know, with the same thing. Have as Juice is coming out, you know, the goons attack from behind. So we don't even actually ever have a start to that match. And then you have Haskins come out. And then as they're laying there and, – and then you can have Bully on there getting heat. It was an open challenge. But you know what? I'm canceling it. The bell never rang. These guys are chumps. No one's mad. And then you hit the flip music. Then you get the actual match. Then that place erupts at that point. Yeah, just, it, To me, just the way they structured this thing really fell short.
0: It was overcomplicated. And, uh, and
1: as we were talking about how this show is laid out compared to other shows that, that we've seen or will see, the way that this thing fit into this, I, I don't know if it was just too Western, too sports entertainment, you know, that over the top for me. I, for whatever reason, this did not click on this show for me.
0: Yeah, I that I agree with. But this is only 11 minutes. Oh, after I get this, that. I, I, understand. I, I get that. After this, we go right into the IWGP Junior but Heavyweight it changed, Championship. But it, changed,
1: it really changed the gears.
0: Yeah, absolutely. After this, we go right into the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. The, these three guys only got 10 minutes which I think is a cry and shame on this show. Like, if, if we wouldn't have had that street fight and you could have gave these guys 21 minutes, I think I would have been a whole lot happier. Uh, I got this at three and three-quarter face laps. Dragon Lee capturing the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship over Ishimori and Bandito. Great moment between Dragon Lee and Bandito at the end of this match. But now... Everybody is in anticipation because now all the cards are on the table. Everything is laid out. Hiromu is on his way back. That's what this is all setting up. Dragon Lee now has the championship. He's the guy that injured Hiromu Takahashi. The title that Hiromu never lost. Everything is laid out for Hiromu Takahashi to return now. And that's the moment that everybody really wants. This was just a step in the direction to get there.
1: I think maybe that's what took me out. I wasn't into this match. And I think it was a number of things. You know, you always hear a perfect storm. This was like the wicked storm because this isn't my style. Yep. I knew it was I, – I, it could have been anybody, you know, just over the, the top style. And I enjoyed some of the spots in there. It's a couple oos oohs and ahs. But, you know, just when it gets down to the very basics, not my style. And then I think when you add in, there's that bigger picture. That, I mean, this was just a foregone conclusion. You know, just when was it going to happen that Dragon Lee was going to get the pin and claim the championship? So that so that we can actually move on to where we do have something you know higher at stake besides just you know the dot dot dive or the style that they use there.
0: My issue is Bandito. Bandido didn't have any business being in this match. The the setup for this match was between Ishimori and Dragon Lee. All the cards were set for those two to have a singles match, and then they just threw Bandito into this match so that we would have a representative from New Japan, CMLL, and Ring of Honor. So Bandito really had no business being in this match other than to eat the pin so that Ishimori can lose the title without being pinned for it. You get the title title onto Dragon Lee. And now you have the triangle of Hiromu Takahashi, the, the the guy who never lost the title, Ishimori, the guy who was never pinned for the title and Dragon Lee, the guy who injured Hiromu Takahashi and took the title from Ishimori. Everything feels like it's being set up for a triple threat between those three, which people will be way more invested in because of the story.
1: Well, I think, you know, again, it's to add what I was saying, as soon as Bandito was at it, that was, you know, the initial thought, okay, we know who's eating the pin here. Yep. Yeah. It was just, you know, as you said, this is a stepping stone to a much bigger, you know, picture that's going to involve a very intense storyline.
0: The New Japan people love it. The the people who are watching it without understanding the story, I absolutely understand why you disliked it. But the New Japan people love it just because we know Hiromu's on his way back. That's really what the grand story is here. The IWGP ROH Tag Team Championships on the line. G.O.D. capturing the titles over Evil and Sonata, the Briscoes, and Villain Enterprises. This match makes me angry in a lot of different ways a lot of different ways. Number one, we never got the showdown two on two between GOD and the Briscoes. How do we not get that moment inside of this match is just beyond me. Well, you know, and even just for the teaser,
1: even if it's just a brief moment to have that shot there at MSG between those two teams to tease for whenever you want to pull this thing off, whenever they're going to pull the trigger on this match, we know we're going to get it at some point. Uh, who knows what promotion.
0: Yeah. Maybe the, we get it and completely both. unknown, but let's,
1: I mean, at least tease it here. I will, you know, one thing I want to put over about this match, it was a lot going on inside this thing. Uh, so many talents to keep your eyes on, but damn the entrances themselves, just to see the teams come out was pretty freaking cool, man. And how about PCO's entrance, man?
0: Over the top. Everything about, dude, I don't know Th- that that, power bomb that PCO took to the outside my freaking god
1: that's PCO man
0: absolutely insane um, so G.O.D. captures both the IWGP and ROH Tag Team Championships. Now we have a story coming out with the IWGP Championships and fucking Yano stealing the IWGP. He does this. He does this all the time. He just goes and steals titles so that he can get a championship match. Now the real question is, go- God, I am so fucking irritated by this. God, I hate fucking Yano. I got my, I got plenty. I even had Yano on fucking commentary for part of this goddamn show. Oh my God. Just beside myself. So now the question is who is going to be Yano's tag team partner? Is it going to be Colt Cabana, which was very much teased throughout this show, or is it going to be Togi Makabe? Um, And I guess the real question is which set of titles is it going to be for? I think Yano only stole the IWGP titles. I didn't, I don't think he stole all four belts. I think he only had the IWGP.
1: Yeah. Just the the, the IWGP titles on his way out. Uh, and this kind of lot, you know, kind of getting lost here in this huge cluster that we've had.
0: Yes. And that also irritates the ever loving shit out of me. So I, I I guess let's just talk about it. All right. So well, and I mean, no because it can. all just kind of blends together I, I,
1: before we jump into all the post here. Overall. Did the match underwhelm? Because there was so much going on. I,
0: I much would have preferred if this just would have been G.O.D. versus the Briscoes. The way that the the match was originally set even, up. Well, even if they wanted to move away from that,
1: and I guess, you know, because you had to have all those guys in the ring and they're, they're going to wait and save that thing. Even if because of the way this thing went down, it was so much going on. I almost just would have been fine with villain enterprise going in there and just keeping it straight up champ versus champ.
0: Yeah, I, it it was. This is this is one of those matches that suffered for me from we've got to get everybody on the card.
1: Well, it, you know, if you didn't have everything going on, you could have easily went out with you had Villain Enterprise taking on uh, the Gorillas, and then instead of Yano stealing those titles, have the Briscoes come out and take them. Yeah, I mean man. how I mean how crazy would it would be if they came out and claimed the IWGP and they left the Ring of Honor title sitting there.
0: Yeah, well that would have been. I best. mean that
1: would have been intriguing.
0: All right, so let's talk about all this other bullshit. All right, Enzo and Cass jump over the rail and a fight breaks out and mass chaos ensues. And the thing that irritates me is this is what's grabbing all the headlines. This is what people are talking about. This is what all these goddamn dirt sheets are are sharing articles about. We're not talking about the show. We're talking about this bullshit. And, And it's the same thing with the Bret Hart thing. We're talking about this bullshit. Enzo and Cass jump over the rail. Everybody wants to know if it's a work or a shoot. From what I've been able to gather, it's a little bit of both. Um, my understanding is this was up to ROH management. ROH management brought in Enzo and Cass. The, most of, if not all, the talents inside of this thing were not aware of that ROH management had brought in Enzo and Cass and the locker room is not very happy about the office bringing in Enzo and Cass or the way that this was presented last night. And I have to agree.
1: Well, I, I want to let everybody out there know when he says his understanding, this is actually coming from a conversation with a firsthand source, yes. uh, someone that worked, someone that worked the event.
0: That's that's my understanding of what this entire Enzo and Cass situation is. So what happens now? I have no idea. It wouldn't surprise me if absolutely nothing happens now.
1: Well, what I found, you know, very peculiar about this thing, it, there's so many different, you know, people kind of breaking this thing down last night. It makes sense that it was, uh, you know, uh, worked its way into a shoot.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those kind of things where. Because
1: the way you look at this thing, um, I mean, you know, th- no security. It's just, you know, they were very slow to be on the scene. No law enforcement. You just have the event security X, ex- you know, you know, guiding them towards the exit. Very peculiar. You know how fast Bully Ray hasn't moved that fast in a while.
0: Yeah, there is. He that. was
1: immediately on the scene. Uh, and I, I, Forgive me, I cannot remember the individual who was uh, kind enough to tag us a- and over on Facebook and Hami Media Discussion Group and point out that Boy Ray had actually has been on Busted Open Radio quite often here in the last couple of weeks, putting over Enzo and Cass uh, again. That you know something that we could have that the arrows were right there for us. It was laid out. Now that we know, and working under the assumption that this thing, the office was in on it. Possibly fully maybe some others but Not the majority of those Involved if I am the briscoes I am Absolutely furious
0: Um and another Couple of guys who seem Absolutely furious by this Are the tongans Because These jackasses In enzo and Cass Have stolen Their madison square garden Moment as a shoot The tongans are. Are not happy with Ring of Honor in any way, shape, or form. Oh yeah, and they have your titles.
1: Well, you know, I go back to the the Briscoes here. I just got done giving you all, giving you my all in this four way. A very violent. They've very been there violent. since day right. one. Day one, but just you know, in that moment, Madison Square Garden just gave you gave you my all in a very violent matchup gassed as fuck and you've got this piece of shit enzo throwing a beer on me and then him and Chaos coming over swinging
0: just sitting here shaking my head i don't know what else to, to, to well, do man, Let you me know. Ask you,
1: you know ultimately let's let's, and let's talk about the the business side of this what does this when we talk regularly you know we are you know we are big supporters of ring of honor They've been very kind to you know our product with the hitting the marks. They've been very kind to us in the locker room, uh, always supplying us with top notch guests, the amazing interviews. Those talents have always been there when we need a little bit of insight or you know just you know guidance onto where the product is moving. We always talk about you know ways to bolster, especially the tag division. There, does this do anything? Is this one of those? seemingly like old school TNA moves where it's like, why
0: yeah, the only thing that makes sense to me, all right, is there, there's a lot of things inside of ROH that, you know, kind of traveled down the food chain. And I wonder if somebody who is not smart enough to know how wrestling fans feel about Enzo and Cass made this call, if they actually thought it's New York city You know, how you doing? That's that's their home turf. I wonder if they got the exact opposite reaction of what they were expecting. I wonder if they thought the place would pop for Enzo and Cass, not fuck you, Enzo chance.
1: Well, you know, it sounds like Bully Ray had some influence here.
0: Yeah, I just I wonder if the situation was completely misread.
1: Like where they were expecting, you know, a, a New York pop, an outsiders type reaction.
0: Yeah, and they got the exact opposite because of, so, even the so way now, that they presented it on TV, they never said their names. They cut away from it as fast well, as they, they possibly they made, could. Colt was brief, wanting to talk about it, and they, they kept cutting them off.
1: They made brief mention. They don't want you on their television. Why would you want? Why would we want you on ours? I think that's what Capri said. I think that was the, the only mention that they had made of it. Now, let me ask you the other thing here that people are – I know they're going to be wondering. When you were talking to the source. Was this all just one giant coincidence that would happen at the Hall of Fame?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the, the two incidents are in absolutely no way related is my understanding.
1: Okay, because I could have seen maybe they had planned something a little different. Uh, but they went ahead and, and called an audible when they saw the immediate attention that the Hall of Fame was getting for that for that incident. Does I mean, it, you know, social media, I mean, was lit up. You knew they were paid. Someone was paying attention backstage what was going on. I was just curious, you know, maybe if they had called some sort of audible to mimic that more.
0: Not to the best of my knowledge, but the the best of my knowledge is very very limited because it doesn't sound like there was very damn many people in the world that knew what was going on here, including the talents in the ring, and that I have an issue with.
1: I'll tell you what, man to be a, to be a fly on the wall back in that locker room after this. Like I said, I, I know you, you're sitting there talking about you know the Tongans and how they would feel about it. if I'm if I'm them boys. I am furious. I mean, I'm talking about walking.
0: Yeah, I I would be irate. Day 1. They've been there since day freaking 1.
1: And and it's not like they couldn't go out. Like it's not like they really need Ring of Honor at this point. They're they're one of the few towns that Ring of Honor absolutely needs.
0: You know, and it's crazy because when you look at the those guys Wikipedia, I don't have it in front of me, of course, but when you look at their ages, they're not nearly as old as you think they are. They're like early mid 30s. It's just that they've been there since day one. Well,
1: well look at the younger Briscoe. He was there at day one. Yeah. And he, and he was, he wasn't old enough to compete on that show. So he worked as a corner man.
0: Yep. So
1: yeah, you got to look. So what would it be 17 around 17?
0: He, so he's like 34. What wh- Which do you think is more the number of teeth he has or the number of years old he is? Okay, that was a bad joke. Let's talk about the British Heavyweight Championship. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. This match goes 16 minutes. I've got it at three and three quarters. This match was very much hurt by the chaos that ensued at the end of the last match. These two guys... this was just bad card placement after what happened in that tag team championship match and in the, in the mass chaos that was at the end, because then they go out there and they have a technical wrestling match this felt like every other Zack Saber Jr. versus Hiroshi Tanahashi match that I've ever seen it was just that crowd didn't know what the hell was going on and had a really difficult time getting roped into a technical wrestling match.
1: Yeah, really disappointing to see the ace kind of lose the moment here in the garden.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks to fucking Enzo Amore. Get the fuck out of here.
1: Well, I want to throw something out there because this was an interesting question over on the Hamine Media Discussion Group. And actually, Ben Hamine himself kind of threw this out there. It's something I've never really thought about, but he's never really clicked with me. I've, I've been very indifferent with him. The and ace? that's Zach Sab- With Zach Saber Jr. Oh. And Ben actually, it was a very simple question. Started his thread. And I thought I was going to tag you in it, but I thought I'd save it. So we sat down to record. Explain the appeal with Sabre Jr. What is it?
0: Well, number one, he's not really geared towards American fans in any way, shape or form in anything that he does. He is a British wrestling catches can leverage joint manipulation technical wizard. That's what he does. And that's the reason that he comes off as legitimate because you can, you can tell because of the way that he positions his body, how he manipulates the joints for leverage. That's what gives him legitimacy against somebody the size of a Hiroshi Tanahashi. It's he's using basically scientific wrestling and leverage against them. That's, that's his entire offense.
1: Now, like from the persona wise, I mean, what,
0: He's a douchebag who's better than you in the ring. He he is he is the best technical wrestler on the face of the planet and if you don't think so ask him. He'll tell you all about it. So
1: I mean that's what it is, you know. It's that guy that you when you look at him he shouldn't be there. But because he's so scientifically sound and it's gone to his head, I mean, he has ultimately become just that, that cock of the walk, just yep. a hole that no one should like.
0: Yep. And then he's got Takamichi Noku working as his hype man.
1: OK, so and then he's got uh, he's that guy that
0: I mean, here's every but, every case like you want.
1: You always want to kick his butt and you think everyone should, but he somehow he keeps getting over, which causes you to hate him
0: more. And he's the understudy of Minoru Suzuki. I mean, which absolutely as so. I mean, everything you know, except for the masochistic part of Suzuki's personality, he's very much the same person as Minoru Suzuki.
1: They should re, you know, the hell with uh, the Rock doing that fighting with the family. They should redo the Karate Kid with Zack Saber Jr. and Suzuki.
0: <laughs> I would pay 999 yen to see that. Absolutely. Um, I was a little bit surprised here. I expected that they were going to give the ace that moment inside of Madison Square Garden. I thought he was going to get his win over Zack Sabre Jr. here. And then they would do the rematch in the UK where Zack Sabre Jr. would reclaim the Ref Pro British Heavyweight Championship. That all seemed to make perfect sense to me. But no, Zack Sabre Jr. basically tears the ace in half with... Some of these I don't even know what to call what he did to Hiroshi Tanahashi last night to get Tanahashi to say I quit because he couldn't tap out because Zack Saber Jr. had all four of his appendages in such a position that he couldn't tap out if he wanted to. It's ridiculous some of the positions. Like I thought he was gonna tear Tanahashi's everything in that submission hold.
1: Yeah, he had he hadn't been every which way. I mean, my God.
0: Man. It wouldn't surprise me today to to find out that Hiroshi Hanahashi has two torn labrums and two torn biceps and a pulled groin and all kinds of freaking shit. My God. That's what Zack Sabre Jr. does. So let's talk about when the show picked back up. All right. Because once Kota Ibushi's music hit, Madison Square Garden came unglued. And then Tetsuya Naito's music hit. And the garden blew the freaking roof off of that place. This match goes 21 minutes. I've got it at four and three quarter face slaps. Absolutely fantastic match out of Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito. I don't even know where to begin. Great stuff.
1: Man, uh, so many hard bumps on the neck there. I mean, it was—you could feel it. I, I, I thank I God know. Kota
0: Ibushi can walk today.
1: I know that those get that those individuals in the arena. I know our boys with the hustle I'm excited They were, I mean, they, it, they were feeling it. We were feeling it, you know, watching at home, anyone watching around the globe, devastating bumps here, hard hitting. And you're exactly right to have this thing. This, I mean, the show needed it. And this is where it picked back up. And, and I think this is where you know, I'm sure we're going to talk here, where this thing measures up throughout the weekend so far. This is where it really, not just geared back up, but took it to a whole new level.
0: So far, my top three matches of the weekend are Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole, Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito, and Killer Cross and Davy Smith Jr. No,
1: not not a bad not a bad trio.
0: Yeah, good stuff. So, as far as looking at creative coming out of this mashup. We obviously, we saw the tribute to Shinsuke Nakamura out of Kota Ibushi last night with the Bumaye. Commentary did a great job of putting over why Kota Ibushi wanted to be the Intercontinental Champion, why Tetsuya Naito hates the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, I, I thought they told an absolutely great story on the commentary and with the video package before the match. The match absolutely delivers. And now I absolutely expect Tetsuya Naito to win the G1 and challenge for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom.
1: He kind of had that get his main event moment there.
0: And Kota Ibushi can be a long reigning intercontinental champion. I think he will be a fantastic intercontinental champion as long as he can stay healthy. Because like you said, you brought up those neck bumps Ibushi's bump card has got to be like not only full, but then turned over and stamped on the other side too.
1: Who do, who do you see being, maybe not just the next, but maybe in that next handful of intercontinental challengers?
0: Switchblade Jay White. Let's get Switchblade That's, back on pace to where he actually belongs. And I think a feud between Switchblade and Abushi could be really, really. Wait, good. and I think you know there's
1: easy tie-ins there yeah. with you know how Kenny was treated, you know. I ran him out of this promotion
0: and I'm going to run you out too.
1: Right. And, And he's got the club behind him, you know, who never was accepted, really accepting of Ibushi inside of it. And I mean, we've got a long history that we can tell a story there or, you know, make that jump very easily.
0: Yeah, I look forward to that. Sonata is another possibility as well that I would like to see challenge Ibushi for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Let's talk about the ROH World Heavyweight Championship. We actually have a real ROH World Champion now, no longer disputed as thy kingdom has come. Matt Taven becomes the ROH World Heavyweight Champion over Jay Lethal and Marty Skrull. This match goes a half hour, I've got it at four face slaps. I thought this it was it's getting to the point where ingenuity inside of ladder matches is getting harder and harder because I feel like we've seen everything and these guys absolutely left their stamp on the ladder match inside of Madison Square Garden. I enjoyed the hell out of this thing.
1: but I, yeah, I think as you're talking about when it comes to ladder matches, these guys went out and carved their piece of history here. Uh, tremendous outing everyone gave all the physicality in this thing and just naive. You, you know for what the, that they put their bodies through I mean you could really feel the emotion that you really could feel that this I mean how much it meant to each of these individuals wanting to claim that championship in this moment at the garden A uh, hell of a performance it, it what really added to this. Is it, it what makes wrestling so fun? Is just not getting lost in the moves. You know, so many people are so worried about the move set and the floor routine. Is you could actually, and if you know, from the guys that were in there in the arena to that crowd, to you know the chats online, the divide, the emotion, the investment for all of these individuals. You know, that makes it fun. You know, when people kind of put aside the technical aspect of everything and just get lost in the moment like that on pure emotion, it just so much adds to the match.
0: So now we have Matt Taven as the real ROH champion, and we have Kenny King as the number one contender? Really? Really? Does that make any sense to you?
1: Well, you've got—I mean, he's the number one. He just gets a shot. Doesn't mean he's going to be your featured number one contender. Because let's not forget, Sea of Honor, Flip is Ode one too.
0: Oh, that's a good point.
1: You've got Flip there. You know, Lethal's going to want to be coming for his. Uh, somewhere down the line, you know, Aldis is going to want to have a shot. You know, he—he hey, he is a—he's a champion in his own right with the NWA World's Championship, but. He's put it out there before. Sometimes champions make challenges of their own. Uh, I'm, I'm not worried in the least about the the amount of quality competitors or challengers that we have. They're going to be shooting for the Ring of Honor World Championship.
0: I am so looking forward to Matt Taven's run as ROH World Champion because this. Carly and I were talking about this last night. This is going to remind me of Adam Cole's run. As ROH World Champion, where everybody hates Matt Taven so much that every match you think he's going to lose this title and somehow, some way, Matt Taven is going to retain this championship. And it's going to be great because people are going to be so freaking mad every time Matt Taven retains this championship. Maybe until Roosh just squashes him in like 30 seconds. Like, this is going to be a honky-tonk man kind of uh, championship reign from Matt Taven. That's absolutely what I'm expecting. But you know what? Matt Taven's really freaking good. And Matt Taven has earned that main event spot over the course of this last year or so. Can we quit dogging on Matt Taven for a minute here? Holy shit. Hey, you're
1: talking about, you You want to build up, you know, the ultimate heel. And we're laying out names here. You got Flip, you got Jay. I love that you laid out Roosh. Let's not forget about Cobb. I mean, the well is deep here with quality challengers that are going to be on the hunt for this championship.
0: And people are going to hate Matt Taven as the ROH world champion. It's going to be wonderful. I cannot wait. Thy kingdom has come. The conspiracy is dead. All hail King Taven. Ha ha. Heels over strong. Let's talk about the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. As we alluded to at the beginning of the show, all has been set right in the universe. And the Rainmaker is once again the iwgp world heavyweight champion and i love i love that even before this match started they were talking about how disrespected jay white was with that new title are you freaking kidding me they wouldn't put his name on the championship the nameplate was left blank And he was disrespected by that. Okada's name is the first name on the new IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, which I hate, by the way. I still like version four. Thank you very much. But the Rainmaker is going to make it rain once again. This match was awesome. I've got this at four face laps as well. 33 minutes. What did you think of the story of Okada and White?
1: Well, I think, you know, truly coming to America, a new star is born uh, at the grandest stage. I, I know he's been here before, but I don't think you had the focus, the eyes, the attention on the Rainmaker that we saw in Madison Square Garden. The man h- is just a megastar. Uh, he doesn't have it. He defines it. And that translates to any any language, any continent, any arena, any promotion, And we saw it here on the grandest stage. What a moment to have them play out, especially at MSG.
0: You knew Okada had to win this match, right? He had to win. There's no freaking way they were going to have Matt Taven win the ROH World Heavyweight Championship and then have Switchblade Jay White retain over Kazuchika Okada. If you got worked by that, you're just stupid. Okada had to win this match. But, you know, there was a couple of times that after a Blade Runner, I was like, you have got to be fucking kidding me.
1: Well, I I think, you know, this is one of those things as well, though. As we're sitting here, we're talking about the the glorious Rainmaker and what that moment making it rain inside the garden. Jay White came out a thousand times better here.
0: Yeah. And and that that same character I was describing for Matt Taven, that's kind of Jay White, too. Where just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he hits that damn Blade Runner. And your immediate thought is, you have got to be fucking kidding me. Well,
1: and I think, you know, it, and we all have heard the rumors. You know, this they was scheduled this was going to be Kenny and Okada. Uh, that That's the moment they wanted. So, you know, on the fly here, they had, by necessity, White was thrust into this. And you and I have been quite critical of him in the past. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to give the to give the gentleman all the credit in the world he rose to the occasion to carry them to this point he has done a magnificent job The heat on hit him quite possibly untouchable in the entire world of professional wrestling uh, and even in defeat right now like i said he came out a thousand times stronger thousand times better Whichever direction they want to take him in, I agree with you. Get him back on course. Put him back in that icy title picture. Still, I mean, very young. They are still very high on him. The sky is the limit. Jay White has one of the brightest futures inside professional wrestling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in three to four years, when we're talking about Kazuchika Okada versus Switchblade Jay White, it's going to be a very, very different story.
1: Well, I think... You know, they're in New Japan. They're all about long term storytelling. I mean, just imagine, as you said here in a a year or so, a couple of years time, if they could secure another date to return to Madison Square Garden at that time, you have Jay White riding in as you know, looking to become that conquering hero. You've right there, you've already laid, you know, the foundation for tremendous story to create another tremendous moment if you're able to secure another show with inside the garden
0: overall i give it an eight out of ten man i enjoyed the hell out of this show i feel like it did suffer a bit in that middle section um i I think it could have benefited from being about an hour shorter but overall i really enjoyed this show
1: i'm with you i thought it run it ran a little too long the down the down moments in there were more of when they went with the novelty uh, instead of having what we could in, like truly invest in at the time confused booking at times where there was just too much you had to recover too soon on some items uh, overall though I- i'm with you right up there right around that seven and a half eight push a nine possibly now i have two questions for you mr guru before we uh we get out of here uh so i guess i'll start with We'll start with this one first before uh, before I make you really decide between your your two loved ones. I was just talking about if they could secure another date. Seeing the success and seeing how well this thing was produced and came off, what kind of pressure do you see coming from WWE on MSG to uh, you know to try to prevent these other shows? Obviously, we know that AAA has. They have uh, locked in a deal to run there. Um, But is WWE going to step in and put some more heat on them to try to prevent this in the future? On the flip of that, though, part two, does this give MSG some hand to force WWE to come back with bigger events at their
0: arena? Well, I don't think that's going to happen um while i think wwe is always going to run msg for that nostalgic feel i think it's going to remain a live event and i think their big events they're going to run out of the barclays center simply because of location cost parking not having to deal with the the nonsense that is downtown new york city the barclays center is a much better center for what well, wwe well, i mean is what doing.
1: about what about an event like evolution 2 from the garden
0: Yeah, you could absolutely see a minor show emanate out of there I think that's absolutely a possibility Um, I I guess one of the big questions that kind of still surrounds this show is how much of this was Wrestlemania weekend and how much of this would have happened anyway let's say that they were doing this show on a random Saturday night in June would it have sold out nearly as fast would it have drawn a a capacity crowd I I think you have to absolutely take that into consideration now next year we're talking about tampa bay we're not talking about new york city there's not a historic venue like that to run in tampa bay so it'll be interesting to see how much wwe does try to clamp down on some of these other outside
1: buildings we've already got we've already got the word but this seems to come up every time you know as we're looking a year or so out from wrestlemania where these you know these indies are trying to book the venues and areas uh, that WWE is trying to shut down the shows And New Orleans. They actually had a, wasn't it like a, like a buffer zone where they mm-hmm. couldn't be so close. Yeah, we're talking next year in Tampa. The success that they've had, Ring of Honor and New Japan, had right here. I'd almost go what we heard from Cody in the route of I would distance myself. I, I don't need I don't need you guys. I don't need to be in the area with you guys. I, I'll tell you what I would be interested in seeing if you could get somehow. I know this is I, somebody have to pull a, a rabbit out of their ass to get this thing to go. Let WWE run Tampa. Let you know, the other Indies go down there and try to draw that. What if you got together with like AEW, Ring of Honor, and Impact, MLW, and you ran your own festival in another major metropolis?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's entirely a possibility. You know, but, you know, it, it, I guess the, the the thing that's really, really interesting is obviously for WrestleMania, they're going to run Raymond James Stadium, right? They're, they're running right. the big NFL stadium. But I'm guessing there's only one other arena that the WWE would run in Tampa. And I'm guessing that's the only arena that's going to be big enough to contain something like a G1 Supercard show. WWE can start locking companies out of arenas like that where they are doing business on a regular basis where there's not an alternative like there is in a New York City or a Chicago because Tampa is not that big of a market
1: uh, well you gotta imagine you know you're gonna run mania at the stadium and then you're gonna have your other shows are over... gonna be at
0: like the equivalency of the Barclays Center whatever right. that well, may wherever
1: be. or wherever the lightning play
0: right If that's even big enough,
1: yeah. Oh, oh, yeah,
0: yeah. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to hold like fifteen,
1: twenty. Well, I think it's got to go over twenty thousand here. I'm curious. Let me pull it up. Let's pause this for a sec. Uh, yeah, looks like right. Concert twenty
0: one five. Yeah, okay, so yeah, it's just a little bit Bigger than what the garden is it's
1: yet there I guess you could go over to, what was that, Tropicana?
0: Oh yeah, where the, um, Rays, where the Rays, play. Rays Yeah, where the Rays play hm. Yeah, it'll be interesting To see what they've got for venues available there Or if a bunch of stuff shifts over to Orlando Or something, because that's an absolute Possibility as well
1: uh, Tropicana looks like it could peak at like right around forty six. Interesting,
0: and it's also going to be interesting to see what kind of a crowd we end up getting in Dallas for the G one for the kickoff of the G one.
1: Well, and you know, you know, as high as everyone's been on, we you know what's happening here with you know in New York at MSG. Uh, the Dallas G one still struggling.
0: Yeah, very much so.
1: Still struggling to move them tickets. All right, so we run through that now. The big one here, Mr. Jargo. What's that? To choose between the ones you love, super show, super card, or takeover,
0: I still think I I said, still stand by everything that I have said all along. I think Takeover was the better show, front to back. I think Takeover was the better show. Um, Super Card was a fantastic show, but I think I would have rather been at Takeover.
1: I'm gonna go, I'm gonna split, I'm gonna stand by what I said. I would rather have been at MSG because of the moment, the memory. But with that, looking at both of them now, measuring them up as a whole, TakeOver was just, just gets the nod as the better overall show.
0: Yep, I agree. So that's going to wrap things up for today's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find us either at hittingthemarks.com or join us tomorrow morning inside the locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com for your WrestleMania review. Huckleberry, are you all ready for WrestleMania? You ready to to, to hold your bladder and sit in one spot for the next eight hours? Hey, I'm on mobile, man. You know me, I, hey, I ain't afraid to take this laptop anywhere with me. I'm not listening to any of the action,
1: Hey, I'm looking forward, like I said, I think, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised. Hey, no matter what, it is the mystique of WrestleMania. It is the moment that is WrestleMania. It is the grand holiday. You just kind of turn your brain off and just go into that ultimate fan mode, become a fanatic, enjoy what they're going to give you. I think we're going to get some great surprises here. I'm really looking forward to the conversations between the WWE Ultimate Defenders and and those that are really going to call it out for what it is. I'm looking forward to sitting down inside the locker room to break this entire thing down. What is that? Hashtag four days of them HTM boys. We're going to be wrapping it up there. Hey. Are you tired like, of
0: wrestling yet for the amount of wrestling that you've watched over the course of the last three days? Are you tired of it yet?
1: Uh, we can't show signs of fatigue until t- Tuesday night at 10 Eastern.
0: No signs because of we, weakness in Fidel's. We, we, still have, we still have a lot
1: to go here, uh, and it's going to be interesting. It's just picking up because people are now starting to come out of the woodwork. We're sitting here recording. My phone is blowing up. People are asking me all these different questions. Who's going over? Who's doing this? My little buddy Jared up at him up north. He does this all the time. He he's probably going to bet about a thousand dollars worth on this damn thing. Oh,
0: good God almighty. Best of luck to him. Make sure that you get your pick'em.
1: He he might have a he might have a problem. Uh oh.
0: Make sure you get in your pick'em challenges. We'll talk to you tomorrow in the locker room. Hackerhomme.podbean.com. Find me. At Not Jargo. I'll be live tweeting, I'm sure, tonight during WrestleMania. Find RBV at The Real RBV. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't, don't give f- up. <laughs> I'll back on.